You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back, folks. Here we are. Uh, actually, folks, this is the hour for Locked and Loaded with Roger B. And no, your ears don't deceive you. I am not Roger B. Although, I, if I could be as tall as Roger B., I would try. <laughs> so, but uh, we're going to uh, get into um, a little bit about guns today. Uh, I'm going to... I asked uh, Harold Dennis to stay over, and he has been so gracious to do so. So those of you just tuning in for Locked and Loaded with Roger B., I am Victor of the On Point with Victor show. I'm going to be sitting in for Roger today. I had, I had Dar- uh, Harold Dennis sitting in with me on my show earlier in the last hour. Uh, he's running for sheriff. Uh, he is running a, uh, for DeKalb County Sheriff, and we've had a really, really great discussion. In fact, Harold, I think within 45 minutes, you and I had some proposal policy proposals that would absolutely transform DeKalb County. Yes. And we're going to have to get into a little bit more of those, but uh, but I'm also going to get in, since uh, Harold is of the law enforcement and has quite an extensive law enforcement background, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Second Amendment. We're going to talk a little bit about Georgia Carey. We're going to talk about the the proposed national carry permit that uh, President Trump has been talking about. And uh, I, I'm going to ask uh, Harold a few questions about the Virginia um, attempt to ban and seize weapons. Uh, Virginia, basically right now, the Democrats of Virginia have lost their minds, and, and they're trying to confiscate the weapons from law-abiding citizens. Now, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, the the Democrats of Virginia are not making a, a charge to disarm criminals. They are making a charge to disarm law-abiding citizens. Now, this should terrify everyone, and 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 I'm going to my guest Harold we're going to talk about the second amendment and we're going to we'll talk about Georgia carry we'll talk about national carry and and from Harold's point of view it's going to be a, from the constitution not from a republican not from a democrat none of that uh Harold is a nonpartisan he's running in a nonpartisan race um but it'll be a good chance to have a discussion with somebody who doesn't who doesn't have to live and breathe uh an r or a d or an i or an l or or any other uh identifying letter uh because what's going on in virginia should even if you are not a gun owner if you are not um you choose not to have a gun in your home you have that right just as much as i have the right to keep a gun in my home and if you are one of those that, that do not carry a gun or you, you choose not to have one in your home, you still should be very alarmed at what the Democrats in Virginia are trying to do. And, and folks, it doesn't stop with Virginia. There, there are plenty of municipalities across the country that are trying to figure out ways to disarm the citizenry. And I will stand up. I will be the first to stand up and get behind any politician who wants to start a crusade to disarm criminals. But when you are a politician, Bloomberg, and you are telling, lecturing me on a daily basis that I don't have a right to carry my gun, and then you are surrounded by three or four armed guards, there's a problem there, Bloomberg. And uh, not to try and call anyone out, Bloomberg. Um, folks, pay attention when a politician is telling you that you need to disarm, that you need to turn in your gun like Bloomberg. You look at who's surrounding him. 
he will he has armed guards. Warren has armed guards. Sanders has armed guards. Hollywood has armed guards. So take notice the very people that are telling you and me that we need to disarm are themselves guarded by armed guards on a daily basis. So so this is what I want you no matter if you're Democrat, Libertarian, Republican, whatever you are, or whatever you identify yourself with, there's a reason that the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. Uh, we have the first, which gives you the right to free speech and free press. And then you have the second, which is why the first is still standing. So uh, so it, it's it's not hyperbole, folks. This is exactly what's going on and why we as American citizens, we should always defend the Constitution first. The Constitution should come before any ideology because the Constitution doesn't see D's and R's. The Constitution sees citizens. And if you're an American citizen, you are afforded the protections of the Constitutions no matter what. It doesn't see color. It doesn't see any race or, or, or creed. It doesn't see D's or R's. It just sees citizens of the United States. And that's what's great about that document. So let me turn to, to Harold here. So Harold, when, when we left the last hour, and those of you who are still listening, we were talking about, I almost want to call them empowerment zones for young misguided children Mm -hmm. because we were talking about ways that a sheriff's office can actually work and blend with the community and actually have a relationship with kids growing up in that community so they don't grow up hating officers they grow up respecting officers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when we get to when you're elected and we get to the point and you're putting in these initiatives do you think it'll be hard to to train officers to have this kind of a relationship or to get back to community policing where where police officers take a part of their beat and they walk the neighborhoods? Or do you think officers are going to be receptive to that? I think a lot of officers will be receptive to that because, as, as I stated earlier, a lot of officers do live in the county. So they are already in the communities. So you know, when it comes uh, from an order or policy and procedure that's set in place by myself, they have no choice but to go ahead and observe that policy and procedure. So it won't be hard to go ahead and um, and to go ahead and, and implement that. That see, that is the way I feel. I think you know, just as I feel that most people have a a, a yearning for freedom, a yearning for liberty. Uh, I think most police officers, I mean, Harold, it's got to be 98% of them are good people. They're in it for the right reasons. They are. Um, They're in it because they want to actually do something for their community. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just, I'm so excited about this, Harold, because I think if we could get back to the days of police interacting with neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. you have them interacting with teenagers. And then if we actually go forth with with having skate parks and and just parks developed and leagues, a league developed where kids can join a team, Mm -hmm. because... There's something to be said about learning team sports. I'm all for individuality because we develop that first. But then a true individual is able to mesh with a team. Mm -hmm. So imagine now team building for kids has got to be just as important as officer team building. So maybe touch on that for a minute, Harold, about how, how how do you build a team with officers? 
Well, myself building a team with the officers is getting involved in getting out there myself. Um, the current administration that's there now and the previous administration, um, none of the deputies have never seen the sheriff come out and being involved um, with the day-to-day operations. Um, I plan on being very um, heavily involved with the day-to-day operations because you said a word earlier, and that word was respect. Um, people can respect me for the position but they may not respect me for who I am. But if they see me out there working alongside them um, in the courts and the jails and out in the field division, then they will respect me themselves, and they work extra hard. They can say, hey, if the sheriff is out here working, then we can certainly do our job and work as well. So what you're saying is you're willing to roll up the sleeves and actually get out there? Certainly. I'm willing to, to, to work and um, get out there, and I will get out there. And um, not only that, um, just to go to bat for the deputies, I'm willing to still give up $100,000 of my salary to help give them a raise. They haven't had a raise in 10 years. Wow. So, therefore, for me to come back and do that, it sends a strong message to let them know that I'm in their corner and I'm with them all the way. Wow, Harold, I think you might need to repeat that again. So you're, you're, you're willing to pull uh, President Trump. You know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that President Trump does not take a salary. He donates his salary every quarter to a uh, different military uh, or veteran cause. And so you're, you're willing to donate your, or at least part of your salary to helping give officers a raise. Certainly. I'm willing to give up $100,000 of my salary wow. um, to help give raises to the deputies. I just need a little bit because Mama still needs new <laughs> shoes, but um, but no, I'm, I'm willing to give up $100,000 to let wow. them know that I'm truly in their in their corner and I'm backing them 100%. You know, Harold, that to me is a is, is just proves that you're a man of action and you're a man of conviction and you're not afraid to put your mouth where, or how do you say it, the money where the mouth is? Certainly, certainly, <laughs> so, certainly. Um, that's amazing, Harold, because there aren't enough people in public office, elected public office, mm-hmm. that are willing to go that kind of distance. Right, because they're in it for self. They're not in it to help the people. Exactly. And that is one thing you and I talk about all the time uh, when you know when I'm not on the air and you and I are hanging out, is ways to help the community. And and that's where we fall short uh, on a, continuing to elect some of the people that we continue to elect mm-hmm. is they are in it for one thing and, and one thing only, and that's themselves. When we really could make a better DeKalb, mm-hmm. we, we could make DeKalb. You know, I when I was running in 2016, when I was in South DeKalb, all I heard constantly was, Victor, we want to be like North DeKalb. We want to be more like North DeKalb. We want those businesses. We want those sidewalks. We want those parks. And... And, and I, you know, Harold, well, you were with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. I flat out turned to him and said, then you've got to have the courage to send someone different mm-hmm. to office. Mm-hmm. And that is what we've got to do with the sheriff's race. Certainly. And that's why we've got to send you to the sheriff's certainly. Certainly. office. Uh, I know How many people are running with you or against um, you? Currently, um, including myself, it's going to be a total of nine individuals running for the, the office of the sheriff. Okay. So... Folks, you need to take this name down, Harold Dennis, Harold Dennis, is for Sheriff in DeKalb County. And if you're not in DeKalb County, uh, but you want to help Harold, how do people find you? Yes, and they can go on my website to um, www.haroldennisforsheriff.com, and there they can contribute. Um, there's a link there. And also, if you're not registered to vote, you can also go on my website and register to vote. And, um, and see what um, precinct that you actually vote in. So if you're not familiar um, where you're going to be voting or if a polling place is closed, you can go on my website 
and um, type your name, and that link hyperlinks you directly to the state's website. So it's not just my site, but it's hyperlinked to the state's website to um, check your status. That's ah, perfect. So so there you go. If you're in DeKalb County and you want to vote for Harold and you've never voted before, he makes it very easy for you. And if you're not, if you're outside of Georgia, like a lot of our listeners are, but you want to look into Harold and learn more about Harold and help out his cause, then uh, definitely go to his website. And what was that site again? And that's www.haroldennisforsheriff.com. Perfect. There you heard. You've heard it right there. So check it out, folks. So I want to pivot a little bit here, Harold, because since I have a, an established law enforcement person here to my left in you, yes, uh, I, you know me. I, I'm a big Second Amendment supporter and uh, Roger B who's normally sitting in this chair right now uh, he's also a big second amendment supporter um, I I love the fact that Georgia for the most part is a is a gun state I consider it a gun state we we mm-hmm. are um, you know I have a carry permit Roger has a carry permit I believe you well I have one my wife has one as well <laughs> and your wife has one exactly and and this is an issue and and you know I'm I'm the host of On Point with Victor. I have to be a little political. But this is another one of those issues, Harold, where as a Hispanic, the Democrat Party has will come to me and tell me, give me all kinds of reasons why I don't need that right, um, when it's quite the opposite. And then they, they like to throw the NRA in, in a bad light. They like to put them in a bad light. They like to talk about the NRA and say all these bad things about them. But in actuality, Harold, the NRA was, was formed back in the – Gosh, it was way back in the shoot. I want to say early sixties, maybe mid sixties. But it was formed because they wanted to help arm black people. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to help give black people a way to protect themselves and defend themselves. And that fast forward to today uh, is why I, I think Georgia is a, is, is a I consider a good gun state. Mm-hmm. But yet we do have areas um, with some elected officials in DeKalb County who would love to do away with the Second Amendment or they, they want to come up with ways to restrict law-abiding citizens. So as a police officer – and, folks, these are these were my words on the partisan side, not Harold's. <laughs> but what I do want to know from you, Harold, is as an officer – because you were an officer for a few years. Yes. And – how do you view somebody like me or Roger or or the millions of Georgians who who are carry permit holders? Um, when you're out there, when you were out there as an officer and you had to pull people over and you had to respond to calls, how did you feel about knowing? Okay, I'm in Georgia, so there's it's a good chance somebody's going to be a card carrying member or a card or a carry permit, and they may be armed. How do you? Well, the you first thing that I did, like on a on a simple traffic stop, when I walked up, um, you know, doing my um, safety stance with the vehicle and speaking with the driver, um, I would ask them, um, you know, do you have your license and proof of insurance? And also, right behind that, um, do you have any weapons in the vehicle um, that I should know about? Um, and if they were carrying permit. They would tell you, yes, sir, officer, I have my weapon. My, my weapon is in my holster on my side, or my weapon is in my glove box, or my weapon is on top of the dashboard. Um, you know, as long as they were honest and upfront with me, I would tell them, okay, um, you know, if you could, for just your safety and my safety, can you step out of the vehicle, um, not with your weapon, so that way I can speak with you. Um, I didn't go crazy and put my hand on my gun and, and draw down on them and tell them, oh, don't move, we got a weapon, and, and start screaming for uh, a bunch of backup. 
But um, there again, it goes back to that customer service. It's how you speak to individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't understand the first ladder of force, and the use of force is officer presence. And uh, I say another one that goes hand in hand with that would be an officer's mouth. Um, your mouth can get you into a lot of trouble or it can get you out of a lot of trouble. It's just how you speak to people. You can say the same thing, but it's how you um, say it yeah. to the individual. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Harold, because, and I'll get back to the carrying thing, uh, but how you speak and, and what you say. And, you know, my father taught us, my mom and dad growing up always taught us respect. And, they were realistic, and they said, you know, my dad used to tell me, hey, look, people are going to make fun of you. You're short. They're going to make fun of you because you have Mexican descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to do that. But he said, but none of that can affect you unless you let it affect you. Certainly. And I think we have a, a culture today that's that's growing up because of the environment we're in and, and some politicians who are just trying to buy votes any way they can. Um, they'll throw a lot of police officers under the bus and give them a bad name. And mm-hmm. then you've got communities that are teaching their kids to not respect police officers. Certainly. And that can lead to a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And when I talked earlier, you and I talked about, and you talk about customer service and you talk about police being nice, that goes the same if you're pulled over. And folks, listen to me. I was, <laughs> I speak from experience, and, and Harold, I don't know if I ever told you this, uh, but I was driving, man, I couldn't have been 21, 22 years old, and I was driving from Florida back to Atlanta. Okay. And I came through the toll plaza, uh, f- almost, you know, coming out of uh, the turnpike and from Orlando through the toll plaza, heading up 75. And um, I, when I went through that toll plaza, there was about, I saw two or three officers in their vehicles, and that just start. I could just tell they were looking, looking mm-hmm. at me, and I went through, and, and when I got through, I saw them pull out, and they were four or five cars behind me, standard procedure, mm-hmm. to see if I was going to run. Right. And and uh, I drive about five miles, and I can see them pulling. You know, they'll come out to the left lane, get back in the right lane, pull out, and I, I can see what they're doing because they're seeing if I was going to run. Right. And I noticed that, so I'm just driving the speed limit, and they ended up uh, about five miles later, they pulled me over. And I had, by this point, three or four cops behind me. I had another three or four officers come the opposite direction, and they clearly thought I was, and it was based purely on my looks, which I don't have a problem with, right. which I might ask you about profiling. Right. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. Look, I was a young Hispanic, very Hispanic-looking guy. I had a fresh tan from Florida. Um, there was a ongoing drug problem coming up from Miami, coming Certainly. into Georgia. So all the elements were there. So, uh, and but I will say this: the the officers were very nice. They came up, they talked to me, they they asked a few questions, mm-hmm. then they asked to search the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So my point there is, I could have easily reacted in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I could have because I hadn't. You know, I knew I was innocent, and and I knew. And you mentioned it before, which I wish politicians would would remember. This is we are innocent until proven guilty. Certainly. And that should never be forgotten. And uh, so, long story short, because of the teachings I've had and the training I had, I, I was nice, and they were nice back to me. And that ended, and and nothing happened, and I was let, you know, I, I went on my merry way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a break here, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, but I do want to get into a little bit more maybe of the profiling issue that, that you must deal with as an officer. So we'll be right back. This is America's Web Radio, locked and loaded. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. The Business Hour, from 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, your ears are not deceiving you. This is Victor with On Point with Victor. Uh, extra hour today because I'm doing it in conjunction with Locked and Loaded with Roger B. Roger B. couldn't be in today, uh, but never fear. He will be back next week. But I'm going to do my best to fill in for Roger here and give you a little dose of On Point with Victor and a sidebar of uh, Locked and Loaded Second Amendment talk that you would normally get from Roger B. So my guest is Harold Dennis. And those of you outside of Georgia, again, let me tread on your attention span because what Harold is saying here is a not just for – see, there's some of that Spanish. He's a not. That's what my dad used to say. He's a not. <laughs> but what Harold is saying here isn't just for Georgia. Uh, every state should be listening to some of the ideas that Harold has here and his approach to law enforcement and the, and law enforcement in conjunction with communities. Uh, but, Harold, we're getting all kinds of questions, so I, I want to go ahead real quick and fire a couple of questions off at you. Um, first off, uh, I have a comment from uh, some listeners down in Florida. Okay. And they uh, they wanted to say that, uh, yes, yes, Mama does need new shoes. <laughs> so, so your wife will be happy to hear that. I hope your wife is listening. Thank you. <laughs> is she listening, wifey? She is listening. Uh, hello, wifey. <laughs> so, um, and then, but I do have a question here coming in, and this is from a guy in DeKalb County. Okay. And uh, he wants to know, where do you stand on the red flag laws? And and I am embarrassed that I didn't think of this myself <laughs> to ask you, but one of the issues that are coming up around uh, a, a few states are these states trying to enact the red flag laws where basically they want to 
somebody can say, oh, I'm mad at my boyfriend, he has a gun, and then they'll, they'll go in and try and take his guns away. So where do you fall on this? Okay. Um, basically, as a constitutional um, officer um, for the sheriff, um, I do enforce the Constitution. Um, and I'm totally in agreement with you with the, the, the Second um, Amendment as far as everyone has the right to bear arms, and I'm totally um, for that. Um, I don't believe in taking anyone's weapon. Um, it, it's, it's weird because they're trying to make it harder for you to get weapons, but yet and still it's easy for a criminal to get a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think we have too many laws now in place in reference to trying to get a weapon and to carry a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, like you said, you're disarming the the, the law abiding citizen, the law abiding mm-hmm. citizen there, and um, but you also have these criminals who can just go out around the corner and pay mm-hmm. twenty bucks, thirty yeah. bucks, and get a gun, and now they're carjacking you and um, armed robbery and, pe- and pedestrian right. robberies. But the red flag, I, I don't believe in that. Um, I would not enforce that, none whatsoever. Um, if you're convicted of a domestic violence, they do take your weapons. That's, that's something that that's I can't already on That's the books. already on the books. Yep. But I don't believe we need any more laws in reference to governing that. That is so refreshing to hear you say that because, we again, we have too many politicians that are in it for themselves, mm-hmm. and they're trying to buy votes, so they'll use whatever they think is going to work and the Constitution be damned. Mm-hmm. And to hear you say that you are – you have to take an oath, do you not? I do. And that and part of that oath is upholding the constitution and protecting the citizens of this state, the citizens of DeKalb County, I should certainly, say. Certainly. And part of that does not mean disarming law-abiding citizens. No. And that's where politicians get it wrong. So to hear you say it is not your job to disarm the innocent, it's your job to disarm the criminal. That is correct. And and you're 100% right, Harold, when you say that we have plenty of laws on the books to deal with criminals if we would just enforce them. But to create more and more laws that actually attack the citizen, and this is what I mean about politicians being on a full charge to disarm the innocent, mm-hmm. not a, a charge to disarm criminals. I don't hear anyone coming up with a plan to to cut down criminal violence. I hear them saying, we're going to cut down gun violence. In respect to, oh, but but that means we're going to take away innocence. You know, Harold, there's a statistic out there, and I don't know at the top of my head, but I know it's upwards of 98% or so um, of gun carry permits. Owners, 99 or so percent, have never committed a crime with their gun. That is correct, and and that and that is a statistic that the media doesn't will they don't want out there because they don't want people to hear this. But you know, I know there are. Um, there are cities all around, or municipalities all around Virginia now that are becoming uh, sanctuary Second Amendment cities, mm-hmm. and and they're doing exactly what I think uh, a Harold Dennis Sheriff's Department would do, and that's no matter what kind of politician came and said that you need to go and we're going to have a red flag law, I think you would be one of the ones to stand up and say, no, we're not going to take, we're not going to strip someone's Second Amendment away. No. Just no. as we're not going to strip their First Amendment away right, or, right. or that, their Fourth Amendment. Right, and that's just, again, that's just like even if I'm the sheriff, it, it, it should be nonpartisan because if, you know, I'm not going to, if I'm a Republican sheriff, I'm not going to pull over Democrats and say, oh, you're going to jail. You know, you're a Democrat. Or, right. you know, if I'm a Democratic sheriff and says, oh, you're a Republican, you know, you're going to jail. It, it doesn't work that way. My job is to make everyone safe in the county. Absolutely. And that's where... 
you know, it's now I I know there are instances and there are are cases I can't think of one verbatim, but I know, and maybe you can speak to this. There are cases where an officer doesn't have ready backup. There's not. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, an officer may be called on to a scene mm-hmm. and may not have backup readily available, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he has to go in and and, and start de-escalating. Mm-hmm. And there have been situations where this officer was overrun, mm-hmm. and were it not for an armed citizen like myself mm-hmm. to step in and help out this officer, his life could have been taken. Certainly. And that's the kind of community outreach I think that we can do with, with Second Amendment card-carrying mm-hmm. members of the NRA or, mm-hmm. or Georgia Carry or any other state where they have carry permits, that they can actually be an assist mm-hmm. to an officer. There have been situations where female officers have been overcome and have been – they're getting the mess beat out of them. Mm-hmm. And were it not for a law-abiding citizen to come up and stop the, the assailant, they would not be alive today. would not be alive today. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that, that, that you are on board with, with the Second Amendment. And, and again, folks, just do your own research. There aren't any crimes being committed by carry permit holders. No. Uh, the, the criminals are criminals, and and if somebody's going to take look in Georgia, I have to go get a a very extensive background check mm-hmm. before I was given my license to mm-hmm. carry. And I know in Texas, I know in Florida, I know in all in Tennessee, there are very rigorous background checks. No one is going to go through that who is a criminal. Right. A criminal takes the least path to resistance. Right. Uh, all right, folks, we're going to go take a quick break here. And we're, when we come back, we're going to actually talk to Harold about how the sheriff's department can work with the other departments that are around when it comes to policing a community. We shall be right back. This is Locked and Loaded and On Point with Victor. With Victor. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such 
as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you are listening to the regular Locked and Loaded with Roger B. Hour. But Roger B. is out today. I am Victor with On Point with Victor. And my guest, Harold Dennis, is has been gracious enough to stay over. Man, we're getting into some great topics. We just had a great off-air discussion. Uh, David brought up some great a couple of great questions so Harold I want to pose these for the listen so to you so the listeners can can hear this um, one thing that uh, that David was asking is let's say you're an officer and um, let's say you get called out to a Walmart or to a McDonald's because mm-hmm. the guy is trying to hold it up and you get in there you're the first officer on the scene mm-hmm. you go in and this escalates within seconds. Mm-hmm. And the guy has uh, help that, that, you know, the assailant had numerous assailants, and that wasn't known on the call. So you go in, and you're responding, and then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. But let's say David is sitting at the McDonald's, or I'm sitting there. How can we stand up, or what is the proper way for us as as Georgia carry permit holders, and we're armed, how can we approach you and, and your time of, of, let's just say, you're being overwhelmed? What is the proper way for us as citizens to say, hey, we're here to help. We're armed. We can help. Well, certainly. There's several ways. Um, if I'm, I'm overwhelmed and let's just say I'm already engaged in a fist fight um, where I can't respond to you, but you are armed citizen, you do have your, your permit, and you want to help the officer, yes, I welcome whatever help that can be given to me at that time. And I was, uh, as I was stating to David earlier, um, and if you decide to get in and help, then you would be protected under the color of law because you're now helping a law enforcement officer um, because at the end result, if you don't step in, then that law enforcement officer loses life. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's a situation where, you, like on a traffic stop, and um, I have a subject um, arm wrestling with him, but we're not, you know, laying on the ground, rolling around on the ground, but um, David walks up and um, saying, hey, I have a weapon, you know, I have a permit, can I help? Yes. I will yell out yes. You know, make those verbal commands like officers give verbal commands. Hey, officer, you know, I'm I'm an armed citizen. You know, do you need any assistance? You know, if the officer needs assistance, trust me, he'll let you know. If he can't speak to you, you can make a judgment call because, I mean, you are, you know, a, a, a permitted um Mm-hmm. Um, citizen, so you know how to make great judgment calls mm-hmm. to, to to step in and help. Um, if there are other officers who happen to back up, you know, come to the scene and, and back us up, um, just announce, "Hey, I'm an armed citizen. You know, I have my permit. I'm helping out the officer." That they might tell you to get on the ground for right now until they can mm-hmm. sort it out. But hey, at least you did your job, and at least I can go home mm-hmm. at the end of the night and be with my family. And you would probably be very thankful. Certainly. So certainly. you touched on something there, Harold, that I want to touch on, and and I bet David did too. Um, And this is what carry permit holders need to understand, too. If you are aiding, if you find yourself in a situation when you are aiding an officer, you've got to understand that there's backup on the way. There's a stress signal that's been sent out. So so they're going to come. 
do not be too proud or afraid to respond when the officers get there and they have to de-escalate and assess the situation. Certainly, certainly. And if you're waving your gun around, even though your best intentions are to help the officer that's mm-hmm. that's getting the crap beat out of him or whatever, mm-hmm. you've got to respond to the on when the officers get there. You've certainly. got to respond because they don't know. Um, right. They they're just responding to that that distress call that the officer put out. And if they see you have a gun, they say, "Hey, drop the gun." Hey, just comply. Drop the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry about saying, hey, I'm, I'm an armed citizen. Just if they want you to get on the ground, just comply um, because all that can get sorted out. Oh, right. After the fact. And it will get settled out, especially by the officer you helped. Certainly. Because he's going to be the first one to go, hey, that's a citizen Certainly. that was here to help me. Um, so that that's great advice. And, and I just I want my fellow carry permit holders because I understand adrenaline takes over. And, and I've been in a situation where. Uh, I, I've I've had to react, and and adrenaline can get the best of you sometimes. But you've mm-hmm. you've got to keep your wits about you, and that's what separates people that with training from people with right. not without training. Without yet. training, yeah, certainly. And and that's why I I always recommend, and I'll, and I know Roger B does as well. If you make the decision to to go through the process to get your carry permit, get some training. Uh, you can call Roger B or email Roger B Roger at americaswebradio.com. Roger, if he doesn't have the time. To train you, he can find somebody that will. The your local NRA chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. will have training available. In fact, some counties and municipalities will offer training. Right. So right. it's a it's a great thing to have. So so that that's a great there to just to know that, mm-hmm. that and, I, and it's got to be reassuring to some officers to know that hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be able to get some help. Right. At least right. in Georgia. Right. Now that brings me to one thing before I get to David's other question. Now that since we're talking about officers who need help, I am sure you are aware of the mess going on in New York City, and this is the difference between Georgia, which is a a what I consider a good gun state, and what I mean by that is a state that abides by the Constitution and the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. versus New York, a mm-hmm. state that is one hundred percent against the Second Amendment. They trample on citizens' Second Amendment rights on a daily basis, and now you have. A mayor in New York that is not the friend of the police, and you have police that are getting buckets of water poured on them. Um, they're having things thrown at them, and they're told to stand down. Now we have just yesterday or the day before, two officers were targeted for assassination. Mm-hmm. And luckily, by the grace of God, they were not killed. They survived. But in New York, an officer that's under this kind of attack, they can't depend or hope for citizen intervention because there are citizens are not allowed to carry in New York. Right, right. And um, in, in reference to that, um, to have the, the mayor have the officers to stand down, that's the difference between the sheriff's office and the police department. Um, the police chief is an appointed position by the county commission or the CEO mm-hmm. or um, your mayor. Um, your sheriff is an elected official, so therefore... Our boss is you, the citizens, the public. Um, so, therefore, I would not have my officers to stand down. Um, and that's the difference between us and New York. If they were deputy sheriffs, they wouldn't have to listen to the mayor. Not saying that we're being disrespectful, mm-hmm. but um, that would not happen under my watch. Well, I have a feeling under your watch, the care of your officers are going to come before any politician. Certainly, certainly. And that's the way it should be. And and see, and this goes back to what we talked about before, Harold, where uh, people are just being taught to disrespect officers. Mm-hmm. And and it's mm-hmm. and, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a bad thing to to want to be respectful to an officer. Right. 
again, people do, do not understand what they deal with on a daily basis. I mean, your your local officer is a father. Mm-hmm. He's he, he or she may be a mother. Right. They're a brother. They're a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're they're regular people mm-hmm. that have to put up with enormous pressure mm-hmm. of being an officer. So you mentioned something there, which leads me to David's other question about. So when you're you're talking about the sheriff's department, and that's what you're running for to be mm-hmm. sheriff, mm-hmm. and you talk about how the sheriff isn't the sheriff's department's not necessarily under the control of the mayor mm-hmm. like a police department would be. Mm-hmm. So how does the sheriff's department interact? And now I'm going to use DeKalb County as an example. Mm-hmm. And and folks, wherever you are, your your county is is the same or similar. So you have the sheriff's department, mm-hmm. but you also have municipality police departments. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a, a Shambly Police Department, a Brookhaven Police Department, a Dunwoody Police Department, a Clarkston Police Department, a Stone Mountain Police Department. I mean, I think there are Avondale, Pine Lake, um, the City of Decatur. <laughs> okay, so so we're talking about eleven or twelve police departments that have to interact with the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. Talk about how how is that interaction. How does it take place, and, and what are your goals? Okay, uh, great question. Um, how that takes place is that um, all these agencies that you named in the Cab County have their jurisdictions within the city that they patrol. Um, when they normally lock up an individual, they bring them to the Cab County because that's the main holding facility uh, within the county. There are a few agencies that have their own little lockup that they don't hold um, prisoners long or inmates long. They just hold you maybe one or two days. Um, if you're going to stay there an extended period of time, then that way they'll bring you over to DeKalb County. But um, my goal to work with these various agencies, well, DeKalb County, as you know, it is at 285 and Memorial Drive, but you have Brookhaven and Dunwoody way up on the north end of the county. Well, they don't have a facility to hold anyone. So therefore, when their officers make an arrest, they have to drive out of their municipality and drive all the way down to 285 and Memorial Drive. Um, what I proposed to several of the chiefs that work for those agencies that I would like to put a sub-precinct up in the north area of DeKalb County uh, for Dunwoody, Shambly, Dorville, and um Brookhaven. So when they do lock up someone, that they bring them to our substation. That way their officers can get back in service to protect the citizens which they um, patrol. And that way they don't have to take a unit out of service for a long extended period of time to drive all the way down 25 in traffic Mm -hmm. and then try to drive back. Um, A lot of the the chiefs um, welcome that idea. Um, They said that'd be a great idea. But Working with all the agencies within DeKalb County, you do um, operate in DeKalb County, and you cannot operate unless the sheriff um, swears you in, especially to do murders. Um, A lot of people didn't know um, if there's a murder in the county, that that has to be investigated by a deputy sheriff. A lot of people didn't know that. So what the sheriff normally does is he deputizes these agencies' homicide departments so they can investigate the deaths within the county. Oh, that's now also... And how does this tie in? So I know on certain levels of, of felonies or crime, the GBI is also brought in. So, Certainly. so you also have to have a relationship with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so at what point, I guess, at what point does it, what lead role does a sheriff's department take when, say, a GBI or an FBI agent has to come in to assess or, or see a situation? When it's in, say, a Dunwoody or or one of these municipalities that are outside, they have their local police department. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
but it may this may be on the level of a counterfeit operation or this may be on the level of a a, a massive manhunt because of some massive murderer mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to what role does the sheriff's department play in conjunction with the GBI or something like that it plays a major role um, therefore right now in DeKalb County and, and, and the rest of your counties in the state of Georgia have a great working relationship with the GBI um, because they get involved with all of your officer involved shootings so um, currently right now they have a good relationship I think we can make it better um, by working with them I know um, Governor Kemp has proposed some legislation to um, do some big budget cuts and um, with that said um, maybe perhaps we can um, chip in um, with DeKalb County and maybe other counties to help give more funds over to the GBI so we can get um, rate kits or, or gun kits, um, you know, to get more operators to process um, these the, the evidence that's there so uh, we can continue to all keep right. operating. No, that's perfect. Uh, all right, folks, we're going to go to another break here, and then we'll come back again, and we're just going to milk as much information out of Harold as we can. So you stay tuned. We will be right back. This is America's Web Radio. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance In 2009... the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Hi, this is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on America's Web Radio. If you'd like to hear an eclectic mix of great programs from relationships with Dr. Ann Schiebert to homegrown veggies and from classic cars to the Constitution, we've got programs for discerning listeners at www.americaswebradio.com. 
we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, that is the music of On Point with Victor. I am Victor Armanderas. And this is also the Locked and Loaded with Roger B. Hour. I am happily filling in for Roger B. Uh, he will be back next week, so be sure to tune in. And if you've got any questions for me, it's victor at americaswebradio.com. Any questions for Roger, roger at americaswebradio.com. Uh, any questions for my guest, Harold? Well, you send them to me at, at victor at americaswebradio.com or... Tell us how to reach you again, uh, Harold. Um, you can reach me at www.haroldennisforsheriff.com. Perfect. And is your email there? You have an email listed there or yes, a way uh, for them to? And you, it is an email there, but also the email is hdennisforsheriff at gmail.com. Perfect. Hdennis, wait. For sheriff. <laughs> For sure. At, at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. I can pay attention. Um, hey, listen, Harold, I had a listener chime in from Gwinnett County, and he says, um, is there any way you can run for Gwinnett County Sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish I could. I don't know the Gwinnett County politics, but um, I do hear that there are several um, candidates uh, running for sheriff for Gwinnett County. Um, one good dear friend of mine, um, we, we talk quite a bit. Um, his name is Kibo Taylor, who's actually running for sheriff of Gwinnett County. Oh, I may have to have him in. Maybe, yes, maybe yes, the two. Yeah, maybe yeah. you can come in with him, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have another sheriff talk. Um, you know, one thing about Gwinnett County, I will say, if we deviate just a little bit off of DeKalb, is I will say so. You know, it's funny how I find myself in these situations, Harold. I don't know how. You know, I'm just an innocent guy. Uh, but but this is a good example. Uh, I was uh, – this was about a month or two ago. I was coming down Peachtree Industrial uh, almost to Doraville. Okay. And, uh, so it's Gwinnett, then Doraville. And um, I had a headlight that went out, mm-hmm. you know, right mm-hmm. at the impromptu time. I passed the Gwinnett police officer. But uh, – so the Gwinnett police officer pulled out, pulled me over. And I could tell immediately that he was uh, in training. And uh, I, I haven't done it yet, but I need to send an email to Gwinnett because uh, – this guy had clearly some good training, almost what we're talking about, Harold, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what some of the. And they must have been listening to you um, when you were talking, <laughs> you know, talk before, um, because the officer I could tell that he was it was obviously was a rookie, mm-hmm. and he comes up and he he does his proper proper approach to vehicle properly. Uh, everything was textbook, and and he did. He looked in and he and he's asked me for you know for license you know and so I give that to him and at the same time what I always do is I open up my wallet so they can see that my license and they can see the Georgia carry permit right right and 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 to his credit and training he saw that mm-hmm. and he goes Mr. Armanderas uh, are you armed right now and mm-hmm. I said yes I am and he goes where's the where's the weapon I said it's on my right side mm-hmm. and he goes do you mind stepping out of the vehicle I'm going to remove it no problem mm-hmm. I even joked with him a little bit and I said I can remove it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh no, 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 no! But he handled it great, right? right. And um, so he, you know, he he took the weapon off of me, placed it in the car, had me step back, and we talked. And then his uh, his senior officer was observing right. the whole thing. Probably his field training. His officer. field training officer, yes. right? And uh, and then he went back into the car to run the plates and everything, and and do a warrant check. I'm sure. Right. And the uh, field training officer came over and started talking to me and chatted with me and. and which was smart because mm-hmm. the the one thing the rookie officer did was he placed my weapon on top of the car on the mm-hmm. on the on the ceiling of the car. Mm-hmm. I was only a few feet from it, so the field officer comes over and stands between me and, and that the gun. Yes. <laughs> so yes. it was very smart. Um, but again, it was very good training, and and I was very happy to see. 
the training they had. You know, there was a few things that he said that he probably could have done better, but hey, you know what? Sure. He did a good job. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't in DeKalb County where you will be training them shortly. But, uh, but anyway, so I want to get back to this. When we were talking about um, – you know, we talked about how customer service can come into play with officer training and, mm-hmm. and, and how the different agencies must work together because it's one thing to be control of the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. and then you've got to be able to work with other agencies. Now, I'm sure that the citizens of DeKalb would like to know how transparent are these agencies with each other. And what I mean by that is you as as Sheriff Dennis – if there was a reason you had to reach out uh, to Brookhaven or to uh, Shambly, uh, how easy is it and what kind of relation is there now and and how can it be better? Well, let's just, not just um, Brookhaven, let's just take um, DeKalb Police, for instance, um, because it's always been kind of like a big rift between the Cab Sheriff's Office and the Cab Police Department. Mm-hmm. And it's not the, the low-lying level officers or deputies, it's normally the upper echelon the bureaucrats the, the bureaucrats <laughs> if you want to say so yeah. um that that caused the biggest rift um we need to be working together all agencies mm-hmm. because we can also help utilize the resources with all of the agencies you know coming together the camaraderie um training together that way we know how to interact with each other when it comes down to a serious mm-hmm. situation call either ie an active shooter situation mm-hmm. or even a shooting situation at a school um if we train together and we work together, we know how each other thinks. So that's going to be a big, big part of my platform as far as working with the other agencies uh, within the Cab County. And also, as a sheriff, getting um, maybe perhaps a tax break because I would like for my deputies to go to the Cab Police Academy mm-hmm. as opposed to sending them out to other various academies throughout the state. Um, we can train right here together with the Cab Police, and I'm looking forward to um, sending my deputies over to the Cab Police Department to train together. You see, that right there, Harold, is what I think sets you apart from any other candidate I've seen out there. Your willingness to understand that a group that trains together is mm-hmm. going to work together. Certainly. A group that is prepared together is going to be able to – their situational awareness together is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's no different than – if I'm Company A military and I've got to interact at some point with Company B on the battlefield, we damn well better have some similar training or, or we right. better be able to work together. Right. And you hit it right there when you talk about active shooting. Active shooting is something uh, – active shooting situations, unfortunately, they happen. They do. And, and as long as we're allowing uh, – we're not going after criminals uh, and criminals are feeling emboldened, there's going to be these situations, and the best way – well, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. What is one of the best ways to respond to an active shooting situation but also, let's say, prevent some active shooting? So I know those are two different things, so let's mm-hmm. tackle an active shooting situation. Mm-hmm. How, how do you approach it, Harold? I mean, how, how, what's, what's a – what is the Harold Dennis Sheriff's Office training way for an active shooting situation? Well, the the Harold Dennis way would be, like I said earlier, working closely with the Cap Police and the other agencies and working together, um, building that stronger camaraderie, um, because it depends on whose jurisdiction is in. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say if it's a school in Brookhaven, we'll, we'll let Brookhaven be the lead, even though we're the Sheriff's Office, but uh, we can hold the perimeter. 
um, and also provide extra manpower wherever they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not stepping on anyone's toes. That's just basically coming together and working together. Um, if it's a DeKalb police situation in unincorporated areas of DeKalb police, um, and um, DeKalb County would like DeKalb police take the primary role and um, we'll back them up. But it's the same token. Now, if it's a situation in the sheriff's office, the cap police is not really privy over to the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't know the layout of our building. But right. if we work together and build that camaraderie, mm-hmm. then, you know, we make a great hellified department. Right. And probably save lives, certainly. even more yeah, lives. <laughs> so, no, that that's, that's what I want to hear. Um, so I got a question that just came in. Uh, the question is, uh, how... How are we going to include mental health for officers? And this is a great, 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 great question. Great question. Great question. Um, I got it. Kudos to Demetrius on this question. Um, but how are you going to include mental health for officers into ongoing uh, training? Well, right now, um, every officer has health care benefits with the county. But that would be something that I would look into as far as getting um, extra um I won't say per training for the officer, but extra um, help for the officer as far as insurance-wise. I think every officer needs to go through a mental evaluation Mm -hmm. every year. Um, Under my administration, I would definitely put that into place. Um, That's currently not a policy um, because you do see a lot of things day in and day out, um, seeing children um, molested or assaulted or even the elderly and um, that's that's pretty big. So how can you just erase that out of your mind when you go home and be with your family? Sometimes it's pretty hard. It's hard to do. So I think implementing a, a mental evaluation for just my officers wow. so they can get help and, and see someone. That's we great. only have about a minute, but I do want to throw in that uh, Gene Birdwell in Texas, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of the Birdwell Foundation, but he has set up a camp that strictly – works with victims of PTSD, be they military veterans or be they first responders. Mm -hmm. And he just bought a large place up in North Georgia that he's going to be setting up the same camp Mm -hmm. to bring the PTSD that are in the dark, Mm -hmm. as they call it, back into uh, the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had the, it's the Birdwell Foundation, and it is fantastic, the work that they're doing. And they'll be reaching out to you, and mm-hmm. if you have an officer that has a problem, we're going to have to wrap, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> well, folks, listen, uh, thanks for tuning in today, and thank you, Harold Dennis. And again, folks, go look him up. You can Google Harold Dennis. Uh, your website again? It's www.haroldennisforsheriff.com. Perfect. We have so much more we could get into. So, Harold, I would love to invite you back. So we're going to have to do this again. Uh, Folks, thanks again for tuning in. Tune in next week for more On Point with Victor and Locked and Loaded with Roger B. In the meantime, enjoy all the programs on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.